0: We believe that stories are magic, so when we find a great one, we can't wait to share it. Far, far away on the planet Florp, a baby named Bobby Wonder was born. But his parents relocated the family to Earth right after the birth, so Bobby grew up having no idea he was an alien. Until his 10th birthday, that is. Can you imagine waking up on your birthday to find out that you can fly and talk to ducks? (coughs) Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author and produced by the award-winning Go Kid Go team, Bobby Wonder is out of this world fun. Search for Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello again, Rl Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of Rl Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This wild tale, Story Club members, might make you dread the full moon. It's one I call Howl of the Wolf. Oh! The howl awakened Connor, and he realized he had napped too long. He looked around at what was once a warm, sun-filled day, now cold and eerie in the bone-colored glow of the moonlight. Connor heard the howl again, closer this time. He rose from his resting spot on the side of the muddy forest path, and he ran. He wasn't sure what direction he was going. He just needed to get away from that howl and the terrible hairy beast that must have produced it. Connor knew he should try to find his parents' cabin nearby. He told his mom before leaving this afternoon that he was going hiking down the long, woodsy path that ran past the back of their cabin. He'd only been down a section of it with his father once, when they were birdwatching last spring. Now it was autumn though, and the leaves were burning orange, yellow, and red. Connor was 11 now, and he wanted to explore the path on his own. He was old enough. He told his mom that he would be home by dinner time, but Connor knew it was much later than that now. The sun had gone down, and the October moon shined in all its glory. Connor remembered that a farmer had discovered a half a dozen of his sheep killed last month, their wool strewn in the field like the stuffing of a torn open pillow. Forest rangers found a mountain lion in the area, and they thought it was the perpetrator. The forest rangers caught the animal and relocated it to a wildlife preserve far away. The sheep had been attacked on the night of a full moon, and Connor's father joked that it was a werewolf, not the mountain lion, who had dined on them. Watch out for the werewolf, his father joked as Connor left that afternoon. It's out there prowling around looking for young boys and girls to eat. And now, a month after the sheep had been found dead, the full moon shone again. Oh! There it was again, closer still. No mountain lion howled like that, at least from what Connor had read online and seen on nature shows. The noise sounded like a wolf's howl, but Connor knew there were no wolves in this area of the Pacific Northwest. Wolves lived far up north, in more rural areas. Coyotes don't howl like that either, Connor thought. Connor had heard their whiny nocturnal chants one night when he took out the garbage. Their howls weren't even close to the ferocious ear-piercing scream he heard now. As Connor sprinted from the howl, his feet made slapping sounds on the muddy road. Why had he stopped to take a nap that afternoon? He knew better. But he had just felt so tired. The lazy afternoon had invited a nap. A million scenarios ran through Connor's mind, all involving a horrible moon-stalking beast. He needed an escape route. If he ran up the road for another quarter mile and then took a left turn on Talbot Trail, he could be back to the cabin in five minutes. Of course, that's when the trail would be sun-baked by daylight. By night, even by the aid of the silver light of the moon, he would stumble down the path at best, and he would be stumbling in the dark with that thing close on his heels. He could almost imagine its hot canine breath on the back of his neck, the hot breath before it snapped its terrible jaws around his throat. The fear made him run faster. He might just make it home. Suddenly, Connor froze. Something lurked on the road in front of him. It was a muscular black shape that looked like something cut out of granite in nightmares. The silver moonlight illuminated its broad, furry shoulders. At first, it lurked on four clawed feet, but then suddenly stood erect on two. It wasn't a bear, Connor thought. Bears don't have glowing yellow eyes that cut through the dark like a candle flame. In a flash, it moved, looming a foot in front of him. It blocked out the moon. Its fiery breath reeked of rotten meat. It made Connor nauseous. The creature looked like a wolf, but it stood upright like a man, like a werewolf. The legends were true. Werewolves actually existed. Connor suddenly felt a burning wetness on his right arm, blood. The werewolf had sliced through his skin with its four inch claws. Connor could smell his own blood in the chilly autumn air. It smelled like a warm copper penny. He was too afraid to scream. Nothing came from his throat but a mouse squeak. This was the end of his life. Boom! That was the last thing Connor remembered, the booming sound. Connor awoke. He was in his bed, with his mother and father standing over him. You're lucky to be alive, his father said. Thank goodness you found him, his mother said to his father, dressing the wound on Connor's right arm. What happened? Connor asked. It was a bear, I think, his father explained. I frightened him off with my hunting rifle. It doesn't matter, his mother interrupted. He's safe now. It was no bear, Connor said. It was a wolf, a werewolf. There's no such thing, his parents said in unison. Oh, yes, there is, Connor thought. There is one, all right. He rolled over on his side and tried to go back to sleep, but something bothered him. He once watched a late night movie where a werewolf attacked a man. The man survived, but an old gypsy woman told him that whoever was attacked by a werewolf and lived became a werewolf himself. It seemed like silly movie stuff at the time, but that was when he had thought werewolves were only silly movie stuff. Connor now knew that they really existed. What would happen when the full moon returned in 30 days? Would Connor grow hair and fangs and stalk the dark woods hunting young children? Only time would tell. Connor should have been a little more careful. And now it sounds like Connor might become a werewolf himself in the next month. What would you do if that happened to you? I'd probably lock myself somewhere alone so I couldn't hurt anyone. Although, maybe Spike, my toy poodle, and Renfield, my chihuahua, might like me to be like them for a day. Who knows? Talk about going into full beast mode. Hello again R.L. Stein Story Club members, I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This wild tale Story Club members might bring out the beast in you. It's one I call Friday Night Frights. The October rain poured down in the stadium. What a crappy night for a football game, Billy Bland thought. I'd much rather be at home playing the Retro Bowl football game on my iPad than playing out here in this miserable wet and muddy night. Well, not that he was actually playing. He was benched and had been all season. He was only there to run the ball if one of the other better players was hurt or needed a rest. Let's face it, Billy wasn't a good player and he knew it. His heart just wasn't in the game. Somewhere in the stands was his dad, Joe Bland, who had pushed him into playing fifth grade tackle football. Billy liked football, and he was decent at catching a ball and running, but he just wasn't as good as he could be because it wasn't his idea to join the team, it was his father's. His coach even asked him this, and Billy foolishly admitted that he was playing for his dad to make him proud. So, here Billy was, playing for the Winstonville Wolves. They were behind 10 points. The neighboring town of Granger, the Granger Giants, were stomping them into the muddy field. Billy was glad to be benched. He also wasn't feeling too well, not surprising. He hadn't felt well since he'd been bitten by a wild animal a month ago on Labor Day weekend. He'd been up with his dad and mom on a hike and they'd gone out later than usual. A beautiful full moon had risen over the mountain. Billy had strayed behind his parents as they were heading down the winding trail. Then something huge jumped out of the bushes, threw him down and bit him. It all happened so fast, he didn't even know what was going on. It was his scream that alerted his parents. They turned, but they only saw something massive and hairy diving back into the tree line. Billy's mom tied up his bleeding wound with a scarf and they headed down the mountain. Billy fell in and out of consciousness as his parents rushed him to the hospital. The doctor gave him a tetanus shot and treated the wound, which he said must have been made by a large dog. The doctor said it had to be a large dog since wolves were not in the area and coyotes usually avoided people. So, it must have been some really big dog. Maybe a huge sheepdog of some kind. Billy could still feel the weight of the monster on his chest every time he thought about it. For the entire month, Billy had taken antibiotics in case of infection, and as the month progressed, he started feeling stranger and stranger. For one, his sense of smell and taste were sharper, and his hearing was also off the charts. One time, somebody blew a dog whistle, which only canines can hear, and Billy heard its shrill cry. Maybe you're gonna turn into a werewolf during the next full moon, his friend, Creepy Carl, had said. Everyone called him Creepy Carl because he was a big horror nerd who only watched scary movies. Suddenly, the coach told Billy to go out on the field. They weren't gonna win the game anyway. The opposing team's defense and offense were too good, but this way, Billy would have some field time. The quarterback handed him a ball and Billy was immediately crunched by a 200-pound linebacker, number 51, named Crusher. Appropriate name. I'm gonna keep busting you up, kid. The massive Granger player hissed through his face mask. Billy went back into the huddle. There was only six minutes in the last quarter of the game. The quarterback, Lenny Higgins, would fake a pass to the wide receiver and sneak the ball to Billy once again. Oh great, Billy thought. I'm gonna get pummeled by the bulldozer and the shoulder pads again. Billy waited. The rain had finally stopped and the breeze cleared away the night clouds that obscured the full moon. It glowed fat and yellow in the night sky. And then Billy started to change. He first noticed it in his hands, which sprouted hair and his fingernails grew into claws. His jersey and pants felt tighter as his muscles seemed to bulge and grow on their own. His face hurt as it morphed and changed, his teeth sprouting fangs. He would transformed into a beast. What's more, he didn't have any fear anymore. The ball was hiked, and Lenny faked a pass and then handed the running back the ball. The quarterback was so focused on the play, he didn't notice Billy's fuzzy hands or his hairy face and yellow eyes obscured by his helmet. Billy leaped over the players that clogged up the line of scrimmage with ease. One tackler tried to take him down, but Billy easily shook him off. Then the big behemoth, number 51, came steamrolling after him. Billy ran at him head on, growling. Crusher saw his opponent's face, looked wide-eyed, and a moment later, Billy had trounced him to the ground. He sprinted across the field 75 yards. None of the Granger players were able to catch him, and the Beast Boy scored a touchdown and tied up the game. The remaining fans in the stands, who hadn't left for home earlier in disappointment, leaped to their feet and screamed. Among the crowd, Billy could easily hear his father's cheers among them with finite precision. Billy's consciousness had changed to animal passion. He now only had a hazy notion about ever being human, but one thing that he did realize was what he just did gave him pleasure, being cheered by the crowd and his father, and he wanted to do it again. The beast known as Billy returned to the sidelines. His coach asked him why he was wearing the mascot's wolf mask and when he had the time to put it on. Billy only responded with a grunt. The coach didn't care. Whatever Billy did was terrific. Wear a stupid wolf mask if it helps to score some touchdowns. After the opposing team miraculously fumbled the ball on their first play, leading to a turnover, Billy was out in the muddy field again. And again, the Werewolf of Winstonville easily scored a winning touchdown on the first play with a 66-yard dash. The scoreboard buzzed. Game over. Winston 14, Granger 10. A solid victory for the night. Billy's team raised him up on their shoulders and they chanted, wolves, wolves, wolves. His father was among the crowd on the sideline, smiling. For once, Billy felt like he'd made his dad proud. He didn't know if he would stay a wolf forever or change tomorrow morning when the moon went down, but right now, Billy Bland, the werewolf of Winstonville, was on top of the world. And wild it was. (laughs) Aw, my dog Spike and Renfield loved that story, and it had a surprisingly happy ending for being a werewolf tale. Those usually end in tragedy, at least from the movies I've seen, am I right? One thing's for sure. I hope that when the team celebrates at the local hamburger restaurant post-game, that they keep Billy's burger off the broiler flame. I hear werewolves like their meat rare and bloody.
0: (laughs) Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. So, if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hey there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This fiery tale, Story Club members, might make you back away from the heat. It's one I call, Brenna and the Beast. Brenna Drake loved dragons. Since she was three years old, she had cherished a stuffed blue dragon that her father had bought her from the local bookstore. And for the seven years since, she'd been what her family and friends at school called dragon crazy. If there was any movie or series to be seen about dragons, Berenna was there. Any book or webpage about them, and she was there too. For breakfast, Brenna poured over pictures of dragons in books, ignoring her oatmeal. During lunch at school, she wrote dragon stories in her journal, while other girls chatted about their girlfriends, cute boys, and slumber parties. Brenna thought that was all silly. Nothing was as cool as dragons. Somehow, she identified with the dragons of folklore. In ancient Western culture, they were feared beasts that belched fire, kidnapped pretty maidens, and fought with knights. In ancient Eastern culture, dragons were admired for their nobility and wisdom. Brenna felt like she was both. Brenna felt wise, well, at least about dragons. But at the same time, she felt feared, as the other girls in her fifth grade class called her the dragon lady, or simply weird. If you don't eat your breakfast and just keep reading all those dragon books, her mother warned, you're gonna grow up and become a dragon yourself. (laughs) That's just silly, Brenna thought. Where's your tail, dragon? Her annoying uncle would ask, and your wings. Breathe some fire for us, dragon. (laughs) Ludicrous, Brenna thought. Except that one morning, after a late night of reading about St. George and the Dragon in a storybook, something strange happened to Brenna. Her skin began to change. Not really change per se, but seemed different. It was dry, scaly, and harder. Brenna put on some of her mother's hand moisturizer to soften it, but it didn't work. Her skin kept absorbing the greasy liquid. The more she put on, the more that would disappear into her hardening skin pores. Concerned, Brenna's mother took her to the dermatologist. It's nothing that I can explain, the skin doctor said. It's not a rash, it's not a virus, and it's not a normal skin condition. Let's just wait and see what happens. Later, Brenna had trouble wearing clothes. At the end of her tailbone, there was a fist-sized lump, and two more lumps the same size appeared on either ends of her upper back on her shoulder blades. More doctors, more tests. The x-rays I see don't reveal anything hazardous or cancerous, one doctor said. It's a freak of nature, another doctor said. This is the most uncommon thing I've ever seen. Yet another doctor said. Brenna really became concerned one day when she sneezed. She felt the sneeze coming on when she was cleaning her room. Dust made her do that. She grabbed a tissue, held it over her face and sneezed. Foom. The tissue went up in a ball of fire. She only held black cinders in her hand. Was she really turning into a dragon? She finally got her answer during the school spring play. Brenna actually transformed into a dragon. Her teacher had told her that because of her mysterious condition with the lumps on her body and her skin, she didn't have to appear in the production of William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. But Brenna insisted that she wanted to be in it. She liked the play and still wanted to feel like she was a part of things. So she wouldn't detract too much from the show, Brenna dressed up as a tree and played along with the other trees and animals of the forest. All of her friends and family were in the audience. Brenna first noticed her hands as she slumped down on her cardboard tree trunk, and then her hands. Her skin had totally changed. It became scaly and green like a lizard. On her back, she felt wings sprout like flowers. The cardboard tree costume split open and fell to the floor. The play stopped. The cast and audience gasped. Brenna had a six foot tail that snaked out from her spine. Her bat wings flapped under the hot lights of the stage. Her once blue eyes were now emerald green. She tried to speak, but her tongue, her forked tongue, jutted out to its two foot length. She crawled on the stage, the claws on her hands and feet digging into the hardwood stage floor. The dragon lady has become a dragon, she heard one of her fellow cast members screech. Brenna's parents fought their way through the audience and up to the stage. "'Brenna!' they shouted. "'Brenna, what's happening?' "'Foom!' Fire shot out of Brenna's mouth as she tried to speak. Cast members leapt off the stage and joined the retreating audience as they mad scrambled out for the exit doors. Only Brenna's parents remained, their eyes fixed with a sorrowful gaze on their dragon daughter. A single serpent tear rolled down Brenna's dragon face. She gave her parents a single, reassuring toothy smile of sharp teeth. And then she was off. She flapped her mighty wings that spanned 12 feet, lifted her dragon body off the stage and flew up to the high window of the auditorium. Crash! She broke through, her tough, green, scaly skin unscathed by the shattered glass fragments. Harder and harder, Brenna beat her wings, and higher and higher she climbed. She had to get away from the pointing fingers and gasps of people in the school parking lot as they peered up at her in the night sky. Soon, the silvery clouds illuminated by the icy sliver of moonlight would soothe and comfort her. She would go somewhere, but where? Where do dragons go? She didn't know, but she would find out. <sighs> Poor Brenna. I really hope she finds a place where she feels like she belongs in the world. I get how she feels, though. I totally do. In school, I was a bit of an outcast myself. I was called Icky Ivy because I loved reading Arl Stein's books. Now, I'm your RL Stein Story Club host, beloved listeners, which just goes to show how us icky kids are really the cool ones when all's said and done. My advice is to always dance to the beat of your own drum, even if no one else is listening. Just remember that being true to myself worked out in the end for me, and being true to yourself is gonna work out for you too. You've always got your tribe right here, and I'll meet you for another episode tomorrow, because every RL Stein Story Club member deserves their daily scare. Ivy out.
0: Go, kid, go. Whether you like to test yourself on what you know or you're interested in learning a bunch of cool new facts, you are bound to enjoy 5 for 5 Trivia, a podcast all about trivia knowledge. Every week has a different theme, like amusement parks, creepy animals video games, the universe, and a whole lot more. And each day, you try to get 5 for 5 right on those trivia topics, and hopefully learn something new along the way. Is a shark a fish or a mammal? Which spell does Harry Potter use most often? You can answer those questions and more on 5 for 5 Trivia. So if you're ready to challenge yourself and give yourself a big high five for the things you know, Be sure to check out 5 for 5 Trivia, available wherever you listen to your podcasts.